Episode 56 Crisis and the Dung Heap Rule Welcome to Living the Tao, a spiritual podcast that explores how ancient wisdom, a practical perspective, and deep truth can empower you to live your best life. In this episode, Taoist Master Michael Steenrod discusses how recognizing the right time and place in your life can reveal great truths, mitigate suffering, and keep you spiritually clean. When I was training with my teacher Soon, Soon was a great chooser of time and place. Uh, and I, I, Some of you have heard me mention this before. You know, initially I was fascinated by his massive skill as an adept, just raw control of reality in many ways. Uh, And that's still very fascinating. But as time has gone on, the thing that fascinates me is his ability to choose time and place. Meaning to choose the best time for a thing and the best place for a thing to always make it work. Uh, No matter what. No matter how ridiculous, no matter how incredible, with almost no effort. Uh, and as time has passed, I have looked at that and gone, well, that is the thing uh, that really I can't do. Uh, meaning I can do it in some ways, but still, as a skill, that's the mysterious skill for me. I look at it and go, well, how could he even possibly know that that would be the necessary time and place? Part of the area we trained in actually was, was basically covered with uh, ridges. Uh, and uh, so he selected an absolutely picturesque time and place. Uh, he didn't know it was going to be, uh, and the time was sunset, because sunset for me is a particularly potent time, so each person has a, a time of day. So he selected a ridge exactly at the moment of sunset, exactly when the sun would be at the right time. We rounded the top of the ridge, and we were just over the, the top of a, a big expanse of a valley. So down below, you know, is the usual checkerboard combination of, uh, I guess they were farms. Yeah, it was kind of a farming area. And also uh, suburban mixture, things like that. Uh, wind blowing through. The area of Elmira Big Flats is actually pretty windy with uh, strong lifts and thermals. Very warm, a uh, burning sun just coming down through. So you come up and, this, and the sun's just bathing across you. Uh, and... Uh, at that moment, at that same time, uh, I was able to completely perceive the flow of all choice. So it just laid out before me as this big interconnecting net. I made no special effort to do so. It was the time and place that triggered it. Uh, And as we stood there, he said something very simple. This is the true world. Uh, As we looked out across it, and he knew exactly what I was looking at, Uh, He knew detail by detail what I was seeing. Uh, There was no doubt uh, about the experience. There was no question as to about him guessing about it. Uh, Any one of those things would be difficult to explain. It was more like the the world was a backdrop for what reality was. Uh, And reality was a flow of just shimmering lines that would move out. By the way, all humans can perceive choice. It's the human strength. Uh, That's why it could be done without effort. Uh, and so this was, uh, and I had uh, had many times small glimpses of the, the flow of things, but this was a complete and absolute perception of things as they were. And so what he said was that this is the true world. It is an open field. 
And that is what enlightenment is. Uh, an open field. There is no particular place to go. You are left at the edge of the valley. And that's all that happens. There is no particular compulsion. There is no particular direction. You are not forced to walk here. You are not forced to walk there. Uh, now, he didn't say the, what I'm doing right now is I'm telling you the impact of it. Uh, and also the standard theory where it's oftentimes called, well, enlightenment is the open field. Uh, and, and, but he made his point of the enlightenment is the open field by showing a big open field uh, rather than sitting back and saying the words. Uh, and that's what it was. It was just a massive expanse, an expanse of potential. There is no particular goal. The goal of a human is to live within that flow until they are not living within that flow. And people ask, well, what is the meaning of life? The meaning of life is simply to exist. There is no other meaning of life. Life is the beauty of that existence within there. Even within the greatest pain, it is still beautiful. It may not seem like it, but compared to not being there, it is. Even the illusion is beautiful. That is, in fact, the meaning of life. I quite directly mean that. Uh, you know, I keep, people ask, I tell them it, and then it's like, that can't possibly it. Yes, it is, in fact, it. There are going to be all sorts of little side things that pop up. It's an open field. You still have to live. It's an open field. There are going to be things there that you never imagined that were actually there. You still have to learn how to build a fire in the open field. Still have to build yourself a little house. Just no place to go. No road. No, no destination. Nothing to do. It's a burdenless life. Okay, let's deal with the concept of crisis. Now, if we deal with the human arts of Taoism, the uh, concept that uh, there are basically three things that we do during a day. And so we manage relationships, we manage resources, and we engage in personal development. As I've often mentioned, unhappiness in a very direct way, comes about if you fail to do one of these three things. And you'll generally find an unhappy person has a big chunk that's just gone. They're just horrible at it. Uh, they're not capable of doing one of the three human activities. And so the question of, well, what makes a human useful, uh, how do we live within the world, is boiled down to dealing with these three elements here. <clears throat> within the martial classes, I want to jump over to a sideline because this would be linked back over. We have the concept of the true human, but there are two concepts of this. The true human in the, was a very common concept within China because it was a very common concept. It was one of those things that was discussed. What makes a human a true human? What is the element of enlightenment? Where is the boundary for it? Where should it be? And so sometimes people read the Tao Te Ching and they go, oh, this is a fantastic work. The Tao Te Ching is an inspirational literature. It's designed to inspire you to do something else, but it is also weighing in on the debate of what a true human is. Okay. It's a very common debate. And this is a good debate to have. 
because it at least allows you to focus on well what is human potential what should a human be uh, where should we focus ourselves and if we go back to the ideal self what we are effectively asking is what the ideal self should be how should we proceed through the world uh, if a Taoist asks this they ask the question of well I have this vast field this vast array of choice that's before me how should I proceed through it how should I be within that uh, thing that is there when you accept the social mind and you accept the social mind because you are the social mind when you accept the social mind you're not given the vast field you are given a pathway that pathway is not the best pathway it is an unpleasant pathway it oftentimes leads you away from properly managing relationships resources or engaging in personal development there's a path that is fraught with unhappiness however it's a pathway that's the trade-off if you're looking at enlightenment there is no pathway not realistically now many enlightenment religions especially at the beginning of the enlightenment religion will will portray the pathway as being hard and fast it is not hard and fast and the more hard and fast it is the more success and failure you will have and by that I mean that pathway fits certain people if you are not a person that fits that pathway you will not succeed in engaging those practices you are in fact destined to fail from a martial concept people will oftentimes ask well what's what's this concept of kung fu well kung fu involved three major human arts the ability to make war the ability to trade and the ability to talk a person was considered incomplete if they lacked one of these three things and as my usual once per class Star Wars reference this is the model of the Jedi quite clearly what they were set on trade missions weren't they they were sent on diplomatic missions and they made war they did so with tremendous skill and they were not considered complete if they could not do the three so this is the real art from which it came <clears throat> if you look at these three elements these are tools war trade and talk are tools for relationship resource and personal development yeah. notice we have nothing within the kung fu that is directly spirituality yeah. now if we're dealing with the spiritual art we're dealing with relationship resource and personal development <clears throat> crisis occurs people don't like it to occur and the reason that this most of all is within the Taoist domain is because of the singular belief that humans are creatures of choice and change okay. of all the creatures we have the power of choice now in a Halloween class for example we talked about the scale of Qing and the fact that humans are on this scale of illusion and reality theoretically at kind of a midpoint or slightly above midpoint realistically probably slightly below midpoint now okay. above this are demons above them are saints and various other assorted saint-like creatures Okay. above them are the gods 
what, even though demons are purer than humans, they are the predatory creatures of the human population. They are incapable of change. They cannot ascend up the scale. They are always the thing that they are, perfectly designed for the thing that they do. Humans, however, are capable of ascending. We can do so because of choice. We can move around and become other things. We can move about on the pie. Choice is a necessity because of what? Things change. And choice is our ability to respond to change. Without choice, you are incapable of responding to change. Okay, this is the dung heap rule. (laughs) This dung heap rule is one of the rules of the adepts. And I'll put it in the words of my teacher. When standing on a pile of shit, you get shit on yourself. (laughs) No matter how clean your robes are. You follow the rules of where you are because you are bound by them. Doesn't matter what quality of robe you have. Doesn't matter your spiritual development. If you're standing on the dung heap, you get dung on you. It's just the way it is. This actually has massive implications because you can stand someplace other than the dung heap. You stand on top of a snowy mountain, you get snow on you. You stand in a bowl of chocolate, you get chocolate on you. You stand within the ching of the gods, and you get gods on you. By that I mean, they follow the ching rules of the place that they're at. If you're at that place, then you follow the ching rules, you become bound by it. Uh, So if you're dealing with a bodiless situation, and that's the dominant rule, if that's the dung of the area, then you get that on you. Some things are the dominant elements of a particular area, and it is unavoidable that you be bound by that thing when you are there. This in practice is the issue of hygiene. So hygiene starts to become much more important as you start moving along. So hygiene, you know, initially you're a little kid in the temple, hygiene is brushing your teeth and cleaning your bowl so you can get used to what goes in you and what comes out of you. Uh, But hygiene is also a matter of what is around you because how does it infiltrate your system? How does it influence you as you go along? You start if you're in prison, you live by prison rules. You know, if you're in a gang, you live by gang rules. There are parts of that that are pervasive and will override other things, and that is the dung of that area. Yeah. That is the nature of hygiene. Yeah. Hygiene can be extremely productive if you are able to expose yourself to God dung, basically. So if you're within that situation, the thing that is pervasive to all things there follow the rules of all things that are there. That is actually the nature of Qing. That's one of the things that's meant by the nature of Qing. However, this, the dung heap rule, is oftentimes more, you can sit back and use that more than you can me sitting back talking about ratios of Qing and the influence of hygiene. But the dung heap rule is actually a hygiene rule. That's one of the reasons that hygiene can be so persuasive and so strong of of a spiritual pathway. Okay, so back to crisis. Crisis is generally marked by two things. So, first of all, all things change. It is inevitable that all things change. If you are mentally caught in a position where your beliefs keep you from dealing with the changing universe, you will at times be very happy and at times very sad. 
because at times the universe will fit your belief and at times it will not fit your belief. It is inevitable that those two phases occur. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Living the Tao, a spiritual podcast. If you're looking for more resources on Taoism, please visit thedaoismforthemodernworld.com. Now, back to the program. Crisis is generally a contraction. So it is a yin movement. It is a contraction of influence. It can be a contraction of prosperity, abundance. That's actually what most people refer to when they're saying crisis. So you have the flow of prosperity, abundance, which may or may not be a money, can be anything. It could be a contraction of health. So influence, wisdom, whatever you want to. There is a contraction instead of an expansion. To use a series of natural uh, references, uh, within nature we have four phases bound by the seasons. If we start with summer, which is a yang phase, this is a time of expansion, meaning of outward movement, of gain, of uh, imposition actually on the world. This is followed by fall, which is a first, it's actually a pulsed phase. First there is an initial outward flow and then a contraction. The reason that fall is marked by an out and an in is by definition it is a transitional season so it possesses both phases within it, the yang and the yin. But also from a practical practical perspective this is the harvest time where we take the seeds that have matured within the summer and we exert extra effort to collect the gains that we have made. You have to have the resources to exert yourself outward and gather. Once you have gathered, then you condense. So it is the beginning of contraction. From there, we go to winter, which is the time of maximum contraction. It will seem during this time that you are at least influence. The reason for this is that you are at least in position, meaning you are at least able to influence the surrounding world. When you are at least able to influence the surrounding world, you will almost always view yourself as being in crisis. If you think about it, rarely do you think of yourself in crisis if you have great influence. And we'll go over that in work session. Try to conjure one up. Yeah, I had great influence. I was able to steer everything my way. Things are horrible. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. You sit back and say, nothing's working. I can't do anything. I can't seem to make the dog sit. I... You're in crisis during that time. Why? Because your influence has contracted. However, it occurs once a year. By the season, it is winter. We enter into spring from winter. Spring is the reversal of fall. So we have, but this basically is a shift out towards the yang phase. There is, in fact, an initial expansion of yin within spring, but to make that useful to you, we'd have to get highly technical with elements of qi. The but there's an initial yang phase. Do you plant seeds in winter? No. Because why? They die. 
Right. Nothing would happen if you planted your seeds in winter. In reality, you do in fact plant some seeds in winter, but that's a whole different thing. <laughs> so we're just using a metaphor here. And uh, in spring, spring's the time of planting. It's the time where you take the things that you have gathered within the fall that you stored and prepared in the winter during your time of contraction and you plant them in your spring. Now usually there's a little signal that spring has come. In fact, it is so important to know when that signal is that what? Early religions were built around the ability to determine these time cycles. That's how important they were. Whether you lived or died depended on your recognition of the signal. Guess what? It still does. It's just that somebody else usually makes the decision for you. And you don't have to be directly involved in it. What if you did not believe that spring was ever going to occur? What if you felt you had to do something special to make spring occur? You know what you would have? You would have some sort of thing built around trying to stimulate spring occurring, even though spring would occur anyway. You would have religion. The important thing about crisis is recognizing that you have entered into a time of winter and to do winter things. Because it's not going to be summer. And we can all sit back uh, and look at that, but as you enter into personal crisis, and crisis is unavoidable because contraction is unavoidable. So overall, economically, we're in a time of contraction. In fact, what is a recession? A recession is a contraction of the economy. It is the definition of recession. It's a time of contraction. This is a huge, huge problem if you want to insist that it is not a time of contraction. And you try to use non-contraction strategies for that time. If instead you sit back and go, you know what, it's time to put on a coat. You might as well stop running around in that Speedo. Summer was over months ago. (laughs) That time's gone. This is the new time. And guess what? It will, in fact, roll back around. Now, as you enter into your personal crises, whenever they happen to occur within your life, certainly everything we're saying is funny, but as it impacts you directly, and you look at it and go, well, yes, this is both funny and it's impacting me directly now, so it hurts. The nature of the pain is the attachment to the season up here. Okay. And worrying that the new season will not come. Those are the two elements of pain. And let's remember all the cultural devices that have come up to smooth over that pain. All the human time that's been invested and trying to overcome that. So those aren't minor things. Massive amounts of culture were invested in dealing with that. When you are in winter, this is your ideal time of not doing. This is a time to look at the lay of the land and observe. There's nobody that's going to come back when your personal cycle is shrinking and act as the person that tells you your personal cycle is no longer shrinking. I guess there could be if you set it up that way. But it's up to you to sit back and observe the nature of things and decide, well, is my cycle simply in a contraction phase? What do I do at this time? 
Now we go back to why I talked about uh, the true human and the example of, uh, for Kung Fu, the three key elements, the art of war, uh, the art of trade, and the art of talk. The reason that the knowledge of these three are critical is because in, if we take the art of war, which was written by a Taoist, if you act out of phase, you enter into something called deadly ground. Ground that will destroy you simply by passing over it because you are at such a massive disadvantage you can't deal with anything that pops up. Acting outward during a cycle of contraction or denying that it is a cycle of contraction is the first step to entering into deadly ground not knowing when you have entered into a time of weakness. Instead, during those times what you do is you gather information. You examine the ground. You look about the flow of things. It is not a time for rapid expansion. What is warfare really? Warfare is a young expression. It is an outward movement in the imposition of will uh, upon others or of other things. It is not always time to do that. And the lesson that a warrior must ultimately learn is when to contract and when to expand, which is exactly the same lesson that anybody has to learn within changing circumstance. The penalty for a warrior is death. If you fail to match the rhythm of things, if you do the wrong thing at the wrong time, you are simply killed. It's a pretty strong incentive to know how this thing works. So, strong penalty. But many times, the crises in your life can also have similar personal penalties for you, the destruction of something. The key becomes the trusting of the not doing within that time. And of course, within the crisis, it's very difficult to find the time of not doing because you don't trust it. You don't really trust not doing anything. You don't trust that as you sit there and watch things unfold, the opportunity will emerge. But you have to do it anyways. You have to be willing to let a thing go here, to move about there, to move as it's going to move, and then to observe. And that's really one of the things that marks an old warrior from a young warrior. Young warrior is just going to run out there and shoot at stuff. You go, you know, we're about 600 miles away from the enemy right now. Uh, you might not want to be shooting off all your bullets. You just, there's a time to sit back and a time to allow things to occur. As you become more experienced within crisis and within the flow of change, what you start to do well is to wait. You wait for a thing. You get your seeds ready. You put things off to the side. You look for the opportunity to plant when it emerges because the reality is it's not the seasons. You know, we're just using that as an illustration. The seasons teach us. Okay? The fact that we have moved so distant from the seasons and live in a lifestyle completely independent of the flow of the seasons has simply made us ignorant of the basic flow of change. Okay? The, or of even accepting that change can occur. Okay? When the opportunity occurs to plant, when the necessity occurs to plant or to advance, because you were waiting for that, because you were aware of the time of waiting, you see it. 
If you don't do that, you don't see it. You miss the time of action. So then you just end up in the spiral. The other thing is, is that because it is a crisis, because we get caught up in wanting the thing to be a certain way, the fear we have, because it is not that way, starts to poison the mind. So not doing is not sitting there being full of fear. Because once again, that is simply dangerous. Fearful inaction is in fact an action. It is an extension of yourself outward. And that is one of the reasons that not doing is difficult. And I'll never sit back and say, well, this is going to be easy. Parts of this I'm going to say are very very straightforward and very simple. I'm not saying any of it's easy. You know, to do this, you have to struggle with fear. Okay, so you have to be willing to sit back and simply go, well, you know, I cannot carry the burden of fear. I cannot be shaped by it. You can choose to not carry fear with you. You can choose to not be shaped by the burden of fear. You simply set it down. You can have fear without fear impacting you to a significant degree, or you can simply not have fear as well. And both are usable to you as you go through. Uh, I have had both myself. I prefer the one that is completely without fear, but I can operate on the other one too. So uh, it, it comes down to the burden of the thing. The more you want a thing to be a certain way, the more fearful you're going to be uh, because you're carrying it. You have to achieve acceptance of your situation. You have to achieve the acceptance of the thing. And then the, the corridor of not doing opens to you. And remember, not doing is useful because it allows us to act harmoniously. And what is harmony? The recognition of the flow of things as they unfold, so you can actually act. Your desire, this strong wedging of it, well, it must be this way, or it must be that way, it must be that way, all that does is create fear and loss and this cycling escalation as you get caught into it. There becomes no way out of it. You can't see it when it changes. And what I am doing right now is I am telling you that the law of change says that it will do this. It is inevitable that everybody experience this within their life in some fashion or else they live in a world that has no change. Perhaps it is in relationship. Perhaps it is in resource. Perhaps it is in spiritual development. But our existence says that this will occur. There's no way around it. And you will either do it and miss the opportunity as it emerges, so you'll end up planting at the wrong time. Perhaps you'll plant late. You'll still get a crop. You'll still live. But you planted and missed the best opportunity. For the warrior, what would this be? You will act late, and your casualties will be much higher than they could have been. There may be no way around that. That's the other thing. Acceptance is also the acceptance of your, your nature of change. If you are slow to change, slow to release, there's not going to be a magic, sudden acceleration of your ability to change or release things. All that's really going to happen is if you're fully aware, even if your skill to respond is slow, you'll still respond. You'll just respond later. You won't get as much out of it as you could have. But that's okay because it's still survivable. It's still doable. You can still further yourself. Urgency will also not further your spiritual development. That is something to keep in mind. Simply because the situation gets dire doesn't mean that you're going to magically ascend to the heavens. All that it means is now the situation is dire and you should have done more work when it wasn't dire. 
Maybe next go, when you get to the non-dire phase again, you'll invest yourself into more work as you go along. Part of learning change is to sit back and knowing when to plant that given seed. It's like, well, I need to plant the seed now. Why am I planting the seed? Because there will come a time when I need the thing that comes out of this seed. Need is a tough time to be planting. It's tough to be in winter and only have three grains of wheat and no bread to eat. Yeah, it rhymed. How about that? (laughs) But planting those seeds in the middle of winter is not going to suddenly give you a loaf of bread. It just doesn't occur in that fashion. You have to do the work prior, and then you get your yield as you go through. Now, again, the message of this is, crisis is inevitable, but so is the resolution. Because spring does come. Your object is really to get yourself into a position to recognize spring events when they pop up and go, well, this is a spring event. I'm going to act now. That's it. It's not a message of not hope. It's a message of this is the way things are at this particular time, and it will, in fact, be followed by a thaw. It will, in fact, be followed by a summer. It will, in fact, be followed by a fall. It will, in fact, be followed by another winter. And that's just the way things go. You can go through one cycle of the seasons and go, well, you know, that was a hard cycle of the seasons. I'm looking forward to it being forever summer again. (laughs) Wasn't forever summer before. It's not going to be forever summer again. I have no doubt that if you do not have a model that tells you things change, you become panicked when things change. Mm Uh, and I think one of the great flaws of the current social mind is its increasing inflexibility towards change. We build our urbanization in order to resist the need for change. Uh, we want it to be the same thing 24 hours a day, every day of the year, exactly. And that costs us because you can't do that with your life. Your life will cycle. It is inevitable that it do so. And you just need the mechanisms for addressing it. So that's uh, it's actually pretty simple and straightforward. Just recognize the phase that you're in, accept it, apply your not doing. You're not being useless if you're not doing anything. You are waiting. Waiting is an action. It is the action of the time. You wait for the opportunity, and then you do the thing that you must do. Somebody else doing something else, they could be in an entirely different phase for their given life. They could be in their summer. If they're in their summer and you're in your winter, their advice really isn't going to help you. It's like, well, you know, that's really easy to say because you're in a thong sitting on the beach. I'm over here, there's a polar bear. He's looking awfully hungry too. Except he's a little warmer than normal. So the different people are at different spots as you go through. And as we've often said, uh, the future follows extremely predictable cycles, uh, and in fact, most of the future is predictable. Um, and a large part of Taoism is learning to link yourself to the cycle of change so you can watch it move uh, as you do that. But the, the thing that inhibits your ability to do that is your desire to have it a different way. If you always want summer, you're always going to have a time when it's any other time than summer. You know. Uh, If you always want winter, some people love the winter. They love the cycle of contraction. You're going to have a difficult time when it's any place other than where it is. Uh, And it's inevitable that those things uh, be in that fashion. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Living the Tao 
a spiritual podcast. In the next episode, Taoist master Michael Steenrod describes how to restore your powerful intuition through Taoist practice. Until then, find much more on Taoism at thedaoismforthemodernworld.com. Thank you.